0: happens all right well good morning. good morning it is really good to see you uh, and, and I I think I say that probably every week I've never met it I meant it more than I do uh, today so I am very glad to see you uh, I not sure what you expect today and I'm not sure, what I expect today, so we're on the same wavelength at this point. If you're here for the first time, uh, I kind of start from a position of weakness. I start with I'm sorry, because you're going to have to endure a little bit of kind of family business, inside baseball, uh, what's gone on. The last time I saw you was uh, six months ago, and uh, I was kind of taken out of the game pretty quickly. So I always struggle in these situations on how much to tell you, how much to leave out, and uh, and there's no right answer, because I'm going to, there be some of you who at the end of this are going to say, gee, I don't, and that wasn't enough, and there are going to be others of you that say, Hang on, and I'll give you... I, you lost me at 7.03. <laughs> so I, I know that, and I live with that. But I, I, I want to take you through what I've been through and, and then kind of establish, remind you where we were and, and go from there. And some of that's changed. But about six months ago, and, and I can't remember... Why I ended up in the hospital, but something. And I spent six days there, six nights there. And in the course of that, my cardiologist and I literally literally would sit and talk for three hours a day, which is is pretty incredible because when you're in his office, you get about five minutes. And after the third day... He said, you're not good. I said, well, I assume that's why I'm here. And, uh, he said, now, this is bad. You're not, you're not thinking well. You're not speaking well. You're not well. And I said, okay, what, what should we do? And, um, he said, it's, it's your heart and your valve is not working. And I said, okay. And I said, so we do a replacement. And he said, the problem here is, and it seems like I heard that a lot of sentences that start with, the problem here is, um, you can't survive the surgery because of your previous heart stuff. I said, okay. And, And that's, I can, well, I was just, I was just going to say, I can live with that. But the reality is, I can't. So, uh, I mean, I, I have all these people saying, oh, I mean, you're here. This is, this is so good you're here. It's better than the alternative. And I'm thinking, mm, not exactly. The alternative is looking pretty good. So, long story longer, uh, they have a new, relatively new procedure for a valve thing. And rather than, and I don't want to be too graphic here, but rather than cut you open, they, they do it like they would a stent. Now, if you say a stent to these guys, they're insulted by it. It's much more complicated than that. And I said, well, this thing's been around. Why didn't we do it in December? And he said, I didn't realize how bad you were. So in comes a doctor, Brady. So I'm thinking Tom Brady. I'm in good shape here. I drafted him, um, and this guy explains what's going to happen. And they're going to go in, and they're going to replace. They, they do a bovine replacement. And I said, okay. I you know all the ASU gears out again. I like that. All the fresh stuff is out. I'm excited. So congratulations. Uh, um, and he said, it's a, it's, a, it's a relatively simple surgery for you. It's complex for us. And I said, well, you know, whatever. And he said, do you have any questions? And I said, well, no. How long does it take? And he said, it'll take an hour or so. And he said, this thing is going to surprise you. As we go in the operating room, there's a lot of people. He said, because I have a team, and it takes two doctors to do this. But we have to have a complete surgical team there uh, for if your heart stops, they take over right away. So you have two teams. Uh, but he says, you're the perfect candidate for this, which I take to mean my insurance covers it, is what I took <laughs> that to mean. So, uh, and, I, and I think that's what it was. So in we met. It, and, and I'll give you the, the initials of this surgery are T-A-R-V. The only reason I gave it to you is I can look around the room and I, I see candidates all over this place. <laughs> and uh, this thing is a li- this thing is life-changing, uh, literally for people who, who couldn't absorb it otherwise. So I go through this thing. The procedure took 30 minutes. Within four hours, I'm walking around, and the next day I go home. So that's perfect. I go to see the doctors, and I had two doctors tell me, uh, you're not going to get better. Here's what one doctor said to me. This is good. Eat whatever you want, as much as you want, as often as you want, and don't exercise because nothing's going to make a difference. I said, well, that seems a little... I said, I've been on that diet all my life, so that's a pretty good thing. But then he said this. He said, "No, no more teaching." And I said, "Okay, I can handle the eating, but no teaching, seriously." And he said, "No." And I, and I'm not one of these guys that when they say there's a, you know, I'm gonna fight. I, I'm not a, I'm not a fighter. I'm a quitter. Uh, uh, I, I'm lazy. I'm a quitter. So I tend to give up. But I said that. Let's wait 45 days. And then we'll we'll decide no more, teaching. So I went back in 45 days, and he said, "You're getting better." Uh, I said, "Really?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "You think I can teach?" And he said, "I don't think you can do your schedule, but I think you could do one may- maybe." I said, "Okay." I, I, I'm sorry for this being so self-indulgent and so long, but it feels therapeutic. So, <laughs> the day that you got the letter that said we were going to start the study, I got a biopsy back saying I have a cancer in 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 my head. My not, I don't. I went to the dermatologist, and I and he said, "What's the problem?" I said. This thing's growing out of my head. I'm going to be a unicorn in a week. you got to do something. So he looked at it, and here's what you never want to hear from the doctor. He said, it doesn't look good. And he said, I'm going to take this, but I'm sure it's a cancer. It's not basal. It's not melanoma. It's like the third tenor. It's that cancer you can't remember, but it's, it's not as bad as this, worse than this. And he said, You need to get, they need to go in there and get that out. And I can't do it. This was two weeks ago. And uh, he said, You need a surgeon, and here's the surgeon you should go to. So I went to this, uh, I say lady, and then I don't know now if that's insulting or not, but she was, she was absolutely incredible. She was born in Russia. Ended up at the U of A. I, lo- I said, how is Tucson? She said, it is very desolate. I said, no kidding. Even if you're from Russia, Tucson looks bad. But that's all I could say. So I I go to see her, and she said, uh, why are we here? I said, Should, shouldn't? I, it seems like you ought to know that. She said, I, I, I do. I want you to know. So we go through this thing. And uh, she said, uh, "Do you have any questions?" And I said, "No, I don't have any questions." And I had on a—I have a, a shirt that I wear to the hospital because it's a long sleeve. It's a Florida T-shirt. When I was going through my Tim Tebow stage, and she said, "Are you a Florida Gator?" And I said, "No, I just wear it." I, I said, "Do you have a school you root for?" And she said. I went to Mayo Medical School. We don't have a football team. I said, oh. So she's pretty good. So I really liking her. <laughs> I said to her, you have an accent. Are you from Alabama? <laughs> and she said, that's a good one. <laughs> and uh, she was, no, this lady was absolutely incredible. And the whole team was incredible. And she took... I said, how many stitches to close this? And she said, as many as it takes to do it right. So uh, she'd be a rough first date, I think. But she, <laughs> but I'll tell you, she didn't mess around. And she did. So that was two weeks ago. Took a big, they sh- shaved this and cut this. So I, and she's pulling. I could not wait to get back to this. And I, And I made a note here, though I don't need it. To thank you for your cards and your emails and your visits and your prayers and for those of you who aren 't on that list, let there be a curse on you in your house so you know, something 's wrong with you at that point but i i i 'm a little unsure about what i 've got today mentally and physically, and i don 't mean to i i 'm Eli Manning. I still got good receivers, but I don't know if I can hit them. I, I, uh, you know, I don't know. But I, I, I appreciate you being here. And I, I, it's. I've had six people. I started keeping count. Who said to me, "We're so, we're going to be so happy to have you back." We, we don't, we don't expect much. And I thought, <laughs> wow, that's so cool. How perfect is this? So there's a sense in which I can't, I can't lose. I have had six months to prepare for today, and I started writing last night. (laughs) And and the reason is everything is, is changing, and I I'm pretty I've been pretty isolated. I I'm I'm almost at home exclusively. There's 168 hours in the week. I'm at home, 160 of them. So I have these thoughts, but I have them in isolation. I can't bounce them off people. Uh, and, and when I do, they're clearing my mind, and I don't know how they come out. So I, I, I just ask your patience to bear with me in this. I, I want to rewind to where we were six months ago. And we were attacking, ironically, the topic of aging. And so I, I've seen a radical change in my mind once we got into that, that topic. Based on two things. We had a whole bunch of stats... That you can get, and and you've, you know, some of them you'll find fascinating. If you go on the internet and you Google aging, uh, you're going to see some amazing stuff. But then Glenn Awada, Glenn's here today. Glenn played a huge role in gathering data from people like you, from some of you, in a group of another maybe 300. And what? What we got back on that changed my perspective on not just the topic, but on our approach to the topic. So I'll remind you of these stats. Uh, Every day, so whatever today is, September 12, 2018, 10,000 people will celebrate their 65th birthday today. That is seven people every minute, 417 people every hour. So if your government, you have to deal with this. Government has 10,000 people a day turning 65 and 7,000 kids a day dropping out of high school. When you put those numbers together, this is unsustainable. That's the good thing about being sick. I'm going to die way before all this stuff hits. But it has to hit. There has to be a collision. To put this in perspective, uh, Kinnick Stadium, that's where Iowa, uh, 2-0 at this point, plays their home games. Kinnick Stadium seating capacity is 70,584. You could fill Kinnick Stadium every week with the number of people turning 65 in this country. It's a huge, if you're in business, I mean, I I don't know what you need for a market, but there's a big one. If you're in government, it's a huge market. Uh, If you're a church like this, there's an opportunity there. Now, there's the medical side of it, the reality. Every 20 seconds in this country, uh, a senior falls over. Every 29 minutes, a senior dies as a result of a fall. I mean, these these medical... uh, I I mean, I'm in the doctor's writing room the other day. There's five of us. Four of them are asleep. I'm with old people all day, and and it just it 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 affects your psyche. I mean, it, you know, you used to say when we were, young, know, how you doing? Fine. Now I go, how you doing? My PSA is eleven. I mean, that's all. I mean, it's 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 this entire thing. So I started thinking we're going to talk about aging, and and. And so Glenn jumped in and that changed for the better everything. And he started to survey people. And and here's what we got back. We asked, what are your top concerns? And and you could guess this. Thirty nine percent said, What do you think they said? Money. I mean money was the number one concern. And then next was health. And then family. And then ironically, it was job. Am I going to be able to work? When we talked to people who are about to retire, uh, they said their number one concern was money and health. And when we talked to people who were retired, they said money and they related it to health costs and then health. 20% 20% said they had no challenges. So, uh, uh, congratulations to one in five of you. I don't believe you, but congratulations to you. We ask a question, what are you currently doing or planning to do to prepare for retirement? My favorite response, I have no choice but to die early. No one can afford to live like this very long. Then we began, I say we, I mean Glenn, began to question people on, as they looked at retirement, what do you plan to do? The number one answer, huge answer, number one, travel. That's why when you turn on the television and you see Viking Cruise ads, There are going to be Viking crews down the Salt River within a year or two. Because you got all these old people with money who want to travel. But after a while, I had a friend that just took a cruise down one of the rivers I should know in Europe. I said, how was it? And he said, if you've seen one cathedral, you've seen them all. Now, I know that's not true. You know, I know there's difference and there's beauty. But travel was number one. Number two was, and twenty-seven percent is. I have no idea. That's the most dangerous position you can be in. I have no plan. Eleven percent said I want to spend more time with my family. Now this was in anticipating. What we have, What's the? What do you anticipate? When we ask people, the best part of being retired, 43% said, I get to do whatever I want to do. I get to do, make my own schedule. I don't answer to anybody. I do whatever I want to do. 24% said not working. Now, these are people who are now retired. Remember, what they wanted to do was travel and everything. said the best part of being retired was travel. So like anything in life, there's anticipation and expectation, and there's a reality. I I want to read you just some of these, and this is what started to shape my thinking. And unfortunately, it's going to have to shape yours too, because I'm going down a journey, and I want to take you with me. So we ask people, what's the biggest challenge since retiring? Here's the stuff that started to wake me up. These are all direct quotes from surveys that you, people in other studies, and people like you, these are their direct quotes. Quote, I have more worries about health in the future. I struggle to trust them to God and have faith that he's in control. Another one, quote, Spending more time with my spouse is not always a good thing. Men and women need their space. I didn't need to retire to figure that one out. Biggest challenge, surprise. Quote, when planning for retirement, the question is how much is enough? The answer seems to be just a little more. All direct quotes. Quote, not knowing where I fit in a society that embraces youth, and aging is something to be feared. Now, I, 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 I know heads are going to nod, and if not physically, they're going to mentally. As you age, you become invisible. I go to the mall, and I'm telling you, these people look right through me. They got one, here's, I got it with me. They got one thing they care about. Right here. All, all of a sudden, I'm a commodity. They don't care about me as a person. And it feels like that everywhere I go. Sandy and I uh, are, are we're, we're trying to be sponta- We're We're planning to be spontaneous. <laughs> it's really hard and so we're doing things we went to the here's something I'll bet not many of you have done we went to the Gilbert Museum that, that thing that Elliot and Gilbert wrote and we said we've driven by this forever let's go in and, and it was a thing and we're doing stuff and, and so we're we're, we're we're planning on all this I forgot what I was going to say what did I say before that Because I, I made a note this is really good Oh, we're, we're talking about we're, we're talking about invisible, and all that they care about in everything I go is is not my generation or ours. So Sandy the other day said, "Surprise date. We're going to a movie. Not going to tell you the movie because I, I wouldn't want you to go to it." I said, "What is it?" She said, "Well, it's a surprise." So we're walking in, and there's the title of the movie, I've never heard of it. And there is a barrage of previews. And all I can say is who goes to these things? Who go I mean I these previews are insulting to me. And and I don't mean I'm not easily offended, I'm not a prude, but there are all these Gothic blowing people up and all these different things, and Sandy said, "I don't think you're the target market," (laughs) (laughs) and that's what we learn. And and so as you go, there's there's a huge opportunity here because you got people with time, some level of energy, some level of effort, and money, and nobody's the only email I get is from scripts, uh, drugs doctors and co- I didn't bring it in, but I must be on a list. I'm getting these ads. I, I will bring it next week. Wait a minute. I may have it because I got I am it's so frequent that I'm getting them now regularly. yeah here it is. it's a it's a innocent looking envelope. No return, return address, but no name. Okay, and are you getting these? I mean, it's unbelievable. And and so I'm thinking, oh wow, it's cool. And and it says on the front, "Time waits for no one." And I thought, I oh this will fit in my aging thing. It said, "Time stands still for no one." Dear Thomas, time passes so quickly. Now I I wrote that book. Before you know it, a year has passed. Then two. You start to think about all those things you should do, but you haven't. Take the time now to make affordable, sensible choice. Cremation is dignified. So they want me to commit my ashes to them. That's the only marketing I get. If you go to the mall and you start to get sensitive to this, and you can grow tired and bitter and cynical, but there is nothing in that mall for me except the restroom and, and and Cinnabon. But but no one. But but you begin to sense that, and that starts to creep in this thinking. So I I don't know where I fit. Here's the next one. Thirty years ago, I was or at least felt relevant. Well, Relevant to the mainstream business church, and and I made it onto the bottom. You go from who's who to who's he. You you go from the guy or the gal to. Can I help you with something? And I'm not. This is not a complaint. It's wholehearted. I think part of the reason people don't attack this subject is because you sound so whiny. I was here, I, uh, I, for those of you that may not know, I played a, a role in the pulpit here for a long time. I had been out of that job about six months, and I came in one Sunday, and I was looking for Justin Marshall. And there was a person at the door passing out bulletins, and I said, have you seen Justin Marshall? And she said, well, I think... I think he's here in the lobby somewhere. And I said, do you know where? And she said, no. And she said to me, is this your first Sunday here? (laughs) And I said, no, it's not my first Sunday here. And my my, my point is very simple. You know, you, you can be John McCain a week ago, and I guarantee you, you are about a year from anybody remembering who he is. And I got a tip for you. You're not John McCain. Let me read you more of these. In my head, I'm not done. But I seem to be superfluous to the body of Christ. I once had a purpose. Now I'm searching it out. Here's another one. I'm not being discipled. And I'm not disciplined to stay in the word. When I'm busy, I get disconnected from church, Bible study, etc. I get spiritual lazy. Now, this is what started to shape my thinking. These quotes. I have more worries about health and the future. I struggle to trust him to God. I struggle to have faith he's in control. I'm thinking about the challenge of eventual death, facing this reality and thinking about eternal life. These are real people with the question, what's the challenge? Faithful Bible study, staying thankful for all, it's underscored, life's ups and downs, sickness and health. I've got this new answer I've had for a week now when people say, How do you feel? And I say, like Nike stock. I'm dropping, I'm rising, I'm dropping, I'm rising. I did a version of this talk, I don't know how many months ago, at Tempe. And when I got up the next day or two, a guy who was not there, had listened to the tape of it. Apparently they taped it and posted it. And he wrote me this email. Hey Tom, listen to your first Wednesday talk in the middle of the night because that's when old people don't sleep. Would love to chat with you about the subject if we can. All your observations ring true for me. It's easily the most difficult period of my life at every level. Now, I think I'm pretty sharp. I think I'm pretty reasonable. And I should have seen this, but I didn't see it coming. It's the financial part. So think with me for a minute. Let me check time. Think with me for a minute. Just I just sent myself an article the other day the latest statistics, and these are always, one thing about these stats with aging, it's, they're pretty, they, they change drastically depending upon the source. But this seems to be the general rule. Fifty-five In, in families where the head of the household is 55 or older, they have zero dollars saved for retirement. Yeah. Well, let me tell you how long you'll last on zero dollars. Not very long. And I think, and these stats get weird, but somewhere of people who have saved, the average savings for retirement is $10,000. That's not going to take you traveling very far. Now, here's, here was my big moment. And, and, and again, since it's a big moment for me, I want it to be a big moment for you. That's a physical picture of where people are spiritually. People are turning 55, and spiritually, they got nothing in their account. See, when when Glenn and I started talking about aging, we thought the target market for this talk, discussion, series or people 65 and older. But it, it took about one day, piece of data to, to, to tell us that this is really a message that I need to hear at 35 or 45. It, it, people are doing with their spiritual life what they did with their financial life. I'll take care of it when I get there. Well, here's what I know. You won't. It's not going to happen that way. I put, uh, in, and I understand that the font is different and all that, but I, I wanted to get that quote in your hands. And I always, get, always feel like the quality of the lesson upticks if you quote a Russian author. But Dostoevsky said this, the second half of a man's life is made up of nothing but the habits he acquired during the first half. Now, if you're a thoughtful person, you're going to go, well, that's not totally true. People say, I got that. The point he's making is the habits you develop early are typically going to dictate how you end if you don't eat well at 35, you're not going to eat well at 55. And and if you do, it's not till you have something catastrophic. The, it, if you go, the cardio rehab at Chandler Regional Hospital is on the northwest corner of the campus. Or just follow where you see the smoke, because that's where all the people from the hospital go out and smoke. So you're in there watching my heart laying out on a table and then you go out and have a burger and a fries and a smoke. It's just who we are. I do the same thing. So so this is a point. Here's what I wrote down is it's never too, it's like financial planning. So keep thinking of those parallels. It's never too late to start. But it's never too early to start. The easiest time to save for retirement is when you're twenty five and you have this amazing thing called compound interest. And you put away a hundred dollars a month, which doesn't sound like much. But by the time you retire, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. You develop a habit of a quiet time. The spiritual disciplines, those things, and and this this sounds preachy, and I guess it is, but those things that we did. I got saved in nineteen eighty. In nineteen eighty, half the guys I knew had a little packet in their pocket with with Bible verses on it. Everybody was memorizing scripture. Everybody, that I mean, I mean, it was like it was like it was a Costco card. If you didn't have one, you were the oddball out, and you had this packet and you memorized them and you prayed, and you didn't hit it solid every day, but it was something you did. And over a period of time, you don't have that anymore. You, you sang songs, and I'm sounding older by the minute. You sang songs that had like real depth to them, like in Christ alone. And now every song I sing, I'm in the darkness, I got light, hallelujah. I, I don't know. It didn't tell me anything. And I'm not being critical. But, but everything was driven toward that. And that moved out of vogue. And when it did, you paid a price. And that's what you'll hear from these people over and over again. What's your biggest surprise? How my skills, my memory, my strength has subsided. I lack uh, 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 the lack of need that my church has for me. I'm irrelevant. You hear these words over and over again. Now you can sit, and you've got some ways to respond to that. You can sit and say, oh, this is it, and you'll start to feel sorry for yourself. And you can find three other guys or three other gals and have coffee together and whine about how bad things are, or you can fix it. And the number one place to fix it is with yourself. If you're home all day and you watch TV and you watch Fox News and you listen to Sean Hannity and you listen to this stuff or you flip over in the other way and you watch Chris Matthews or you just follow the leader of the free world on Twitter, it doesn't take long to become convinced this thing is really screwed up. And I and I and I, and I and when people come and see me, we have the same conversations. And it takes us about five minutes to say this is a mess. But then every conversation ends this way. But it'll all work out. It'll all work out. And so I found myself asking I've gotten better at this, asking questions. And I'll say why do you think it'll work out? And here's the answer. Because it always does. Okay? It's called, there's a there's a term for it called optimistic bias. Now I've had a lot of diseases. I've never had this one. Optimistic bias. It'll all work out because it always does. I don't think that's a very good answer anymore. I think you're in uncharted territory where the world around you is shaking badly. And the answer to that, okay, and let me check. Wow, three minutes. That flew by for me. I'm sure that felt like forever for you. But, but the answer to what's going on in the world is the church. And when I say church, I mean Christians. I don't mean the local church. I'm not looking for redemption to change the world. I'm looking for believers to change the world. You're the answer. I was had breakfast, obviously a while ago now, with a highly placed senior official in the Arizona state government. I sound like the New York Times. I like the feel of it. And this guy said to me, and, and, and this was so good, government cannot replace the family. Government is not equipped to replace the family in the culture. The closest thing you have to assisting the family is the body of believers. So I got three or four things hanging out there. Let me tell you where I'm going. I've I've retooled. I, I got... When I talk to people, they all want to talk about, you know, you're sick, and I'm sick, and we're doing this. And, and here's what I hear over there yet. Here's, here's what I want to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Okay. What's your goal? Number one answer. I want to finish strong. So I've asked, what does that mean? And it's amazing. It's like, well, you know, I want to finish strong. Like saying it is going to make it happen. Here's the mistake I made. I thought finishing strong meant doing everything I'm doing until I die. That's not finishing strong. It's loving God and knowing God and following God. And our hope is in God. It's the second quote I put on the sheet. Those are two familiar quotes to you. In a, in a world and a stage of life that feels so filled with fear that has hope that's missing, our hope is in God. His promises, his character, his faithfulness, his sovereignty. That's, that's what's going to stabilize all of this. And as I began to read, I, I, I and, and even searched the scripture, the scripture promises victory in death, but it doesn't say a ton about victory in aging. We're two very different things that need to be separated. And then I read an amazingly Simple sentence. One, two, three, four words. Or five. The the author said this, Jesus did not grow old. And I never really thought about it. Jesus is our model, but we, we never saw how we grow old. So this whole thing on aging, I've given a working title called how to finish strong. There's a, so much wrapped up in that. And, and I did a series five or six years ago called How to Stay Straight in a Crooked World. And it essentially becomes that. So what we're going to do after the, over the next uh, 10 or 12 weeks, I'm not sure, is look at these components that we need in our life. And for many of you, especially this group, most of you are church people, most of you are believers, Uh, some of you have been believers for decades, uh, some not as long. These are all things that you need to go back to again and again and again. This is your checkup. When somebody says, how are you doing? These become the measurements. The same is true of the person that's 35. Now, now the difference is, and you know this, when you're 35, you're not worried about being 55. You're worried about whether you can get into Postinos or not. Yeah, That's your biggest problem. So, that's, I can't help you there. Call ahead. That's all I can tell you. But, but your kids and your grandkids... And you and me and all of us need to make our way through this. So uh, next week we're going to start with the first step in how to finish strong, because that seems to be the one thing that we're all connecting with. Well done, finish strong. Uh, how do I do it? Because here's what I here's what I've learned about Christians. We we got our own language. And somebody gets out of that, and that's the end of the conversation. You go, yeah, me. what do you want to do? I want to finish strong. Me too. And that's the end of the conversation. What does that mean? So that's where we're going to start next week. Okay? Thank you so much for being here. I honestly, I I got a text from my brother, my brother Dan. um, Every year, he and his wife, this time of year, they don't have any kids. They let school get in. They go on a trip. So they are headed Friday to Charleston, South Carolina. <laughs> so he sent me a text. Uh, he sent me a text. Let me read it to you. Because it's a, it's a sweet exchange. He's, he's worried about me. Which is good, and he, and he sent me a text, and, and he said, "Are you?" It, it said this: "Are you going to start teaching again?" And I said, "I start Wednesday." This this was Monday. I start Wednesday. I just went into the office to study and fell asleep at my desk. I'm rested but not ready. And he said, good luck. I, I, I think that's great. I wasn't sure that would ever happen again. And I said, have a good trip, take an umbrella. So, <laughs> so we're on the same page, all right? Let me pray and we'll get you out of here. Father, thank you for this. And uh, I pray that you take all of whatever I just said and somehow make it make sense to people. And uh, most of all, to me, work in our life and in and my life and, and help us finish strong, but by, by being strong today. God, thank you for this. Thank you for the people who are here. It, it, it's so cool to see it. And it's a testimony to your grace and mercy. We praise you and thank you in Jesus name. Amen. amen. Have a great week. I'll see you next week.